0: How good's a Friday? Boof! Tatamite. Oh. Hard man to put down Murphy of What's So Ben, this is Buncia Four from Wednesday Warriors. I hope you're doing well, brother. There is Sean Stevenson. The step breaking Stevenson! Out the back. digging, Out wide. Good sir. North Dutch score out wide. Fantastic try. Oh yes, oh, boy. Hey guys, Surly Talk Sports here and we're back. Season 4, Episode 1, absolute ripper of a Friday here in Tamaki Makoto. And boy, am I fizzing to absolutely punish your eardrums with another season of Shit Chat from me. We're going to kick her off with an action-packed episode. God's game's back this weekend. We're going to cover some Super Rugby Aotearoa, the Old America's Far Cup. The old magic multi and Q&A. Boy, do we have it all for you today. And I'm back after a big off-season. To be fair, the old 2020-2021 off-season. Probably one of my biggest of all time. A massive bender, which led to about six weeks straight of pissing up. Which has been tough on the old rig, it must be said. But still, in the mixer, nonetheless... Got married two weeks ago, made old Kimbo Edgar a and a heck of it in addition to the family she is, it must be said. And of course, weddings, they have a bit of a big lead up in itself. The old stag do, about a month ago, that was a heck of a shift. Actually streaked a club cricket game, which was a real highlight for me. And then the younger brother, Jack Bergen, voluntarily streaked the Northcote RSA, caused a few heart attacks from the old birds up there in the Raza, but well played to that bloke. Then met up with the old hens do after, a bit untraditional, but boy did it lead to a great kick-on session, one of the greats of all time, and a huge day on the steam. Then of course the wedding. Old Kimbo took the last name. Huge fizz there. Emotional day, of course. Few onions being cut at old Kauri Bay Boomrock. The old tear ducks copped a hammering. But what a day it was. Must be said. Mrs. Searle, she looks sensational as always. And the old friend group really did scrub up well for the occasion, which was great to see. Then post-wedding... One of the great kick-on sessions yet again, probably untraditional to do so, but kicked on with the old bridal party until the old cicadas started piping up, 5.30 in the morning, heck of a shift there. So that's what I've been up to this off-season, one of the greats for sure. Really took a toll on the rig, but ready to rip into some club footy nonetheless. But enough about me, you're probably bored shitless, but hey, fuck your dad, it's my podcast. But let's get into it, some sports chat. Super Rugby Aotearoa, back with an absolute bang. We're two weeks in, the Crusaders look good as per usual, which is no fucking surprise. The Blues are one from one, up the mighty Blues. Landers, they're one from two. And then you've got the Chiefs, who have suffered a loss in their only game. And the Canes, who are 0 from two. Both sides looking for their first wins. In last week's games, the Chiefs, they hosted the Landers on the Friday night, level two footy, big up yours to COVID. No fans in the Waikato, so they're the Chiefs faithful have to wait another week to ring the old Mulu bells. Finished up the Chiefs 23, Landers 39. A real game of two halves, get the old cliche out there early doors, feels good to throw that one out there. 20-11 to 11 at halftime, the Chiefs, a couple of meat pies from old Damian McKenzie and Luke Jacobson. But then Tony Brown got a hold of the boys from the deep south in the sheds, filled them up with some high-strength vitamin C in the form of the old halftime oranges, and got the lads absolutely fizzing at the bung to launch a great comeback with some great razzle-dazzle footy. Huge second half from the Landers, and they, they actually won the second half 28 points to three. And wow, Jonah Nariki, let's get freaky. What a shift from this bloke. Cheeky little hat trick, three meat pies, you lucky bastard. I'm lucky enough to score that in a whole season, let alone one game. So huge from him. And then a great line break to old Bunfa on the Chiefs halfback. A new part-time DJ, young Brad Webber, which really was a sight for sore eyes. Massive shift from him and a 10 out of 10 in the razzle department for the Highlanders. Other standouts for me, I thought both nines for the Landers were great, Whakataba and Smith, they really do look like a great one-two punch for them this season, energy galore from those little yappy bastards. Then the positives for the Chiefs, thought McKenzie looked dangerous at 15 and 10, would have loved to have seen old friend of the show shooter get a few more minutes on the fifth, in the 15 jersey, slightly biased, Absolutely, fucking lootly, but still would have liked to see it. Also thought Luke Jacobson put in a good shift, and old Nanai Satoru on the wing. Boy, can he mix it with the best of them on the D floor. Crazy feed on the kid, wax galore, which is always good for bums on seats. Overall, a good game, exciting footy, and a heck of a start to week two of Super Rugby Aotearoa. For the second game, it was the Satyrs versus the Canes. And the Crusaders, no surprises here. They took it out, 33 points to 16, playing in front of a packed crowd in Christchurch, which was great to see. Level one down there, of course. No fucking COVID in Christchurch. Hissing Arvo for it. And the fans were rewarded with another dominant performance from the fucking 15-time Super Rugby champions, it seems like. Boy, is that a broken record. For the Canes... They started strong. They're actually up 6-0 at the 20-minute mark before old captain Artie Sarvea caught the yellow card, and then things really took a turn for the worse. 26 unanswered points before halftime, and that really was the game gone for the mighty swirls. In the second half, she was slightly more uneventful points-wise, but still some great code being played. Meat pies to Ricky Riccatelli and Umanga Jensen for the Swirls and Cody Taylor for the Satyrs, and that was all she wrote. Takeaways from the game. The Canes need a bit of a boost in the 9-10 department for me. Losing TJ, huge loss for them in both leadership and fizz, and I'm still not sold on old Jackson Garden Bishop. For the Satyrs, they look good as always. Again, fucking broken record, but Razor really does have the boys from Christchurch firing on all cylinders. And once again, they look to be the team to beat. The Blues, they will not lose. They had the bye and will be absolutely fizzing and rearing to rip into this week's clash. And that, my friends, is a heck of a segue to round three. And she kicks off on Saturday night. Crusaders host the men from the Waikato. And although she's early on in the season, it really is starting to look like must-win footy for the Chiefs as that losing streak continues from last year's games as well. For the Crusaders, they've made a few changes to the side that bet the Canes, as you do when you're that fucking good. You get Will Jordan back in the mixer. Always handy to bring in an all-black back in that 15 jersey. And then that back line is absolutely stacked. Severese and Nuku on the wings. Good Hugh Havili, Rizzo And then Mitch Drummond gets the nod in the nine jersey. Controversial. Bryn Hall off the Rimu to add some fizz there. Then that forward pack filled with big bodies. You got old Cullen Grace, Christie and Harvili in the loose trio. Whitelock and Barrett, an established duo. In the locks, and then you got Alala Ala Toa, Cody Taylor, and Big Bad Bauer in the front row. So, once again, 1 to 15, a star studded side, and they will be hard to beat. For the Mulu men, my calls have been answered. Sean Stevenson gets the nod in the starting 15 and will take his place in the 14 jersey. Looking to bring some razzle-dazzle and great odds for an anytime try-scorer bet at the old Tea and Biscuits. I'll be chucking the house on that. Harbour Heat's Bryn Gatland keeps his job in the 10 jersey. Brad Weber and Sam Kane will co-captain the lads as per usual. And looking forward to another big shift from Luke Jacobson as he continues to establish himself after making the All Blacks a couple years back, but then being ruled out due to head knocks. So great to see him back out there on the park applying his trade and playing some good footy. Overall, i got the Crusaders to win this one, unfortunately. Sorry, shooter, mate. But I think they're just going to be too strong. Really tough to beat at home. And I think they will continue that momentum. In the other game, and it's your Super Sunday, and boy, does this have me absolutely fizzed. Sunday Arvo footy at the Garden of Eden. It's back, baby. The Blues take on the Landers. 3.35 p.m. kickoff absolute bums on seats material and unfortunately the sides aren't out yet as we record this so i can't say much about changes in the lineups which is probably a fucking blessing for you because you're probably already switching off and thinking shit surly this is some shit chat but look out for old bunty the blood's bulldozer big lateru tolai to add some impact, probably off the Rimu, but would love to see them get the nod in the two jersey. If they're serious about winning, they'll give the kid a run. So that's something to look out for there. For the Landers, interesting if they give Aaron Smith the starting jersey again. Fakatawa got the nod there last week, but I think they'll be taking this game very seriously and coming in off a high, blues off the bye. There's an alliteration for your Friday, podcasting at its finest. Think she'll be a heck of a clash. Landers showed last week they got plenty of razzle. The Blues have always got razzle, sometimes too much, which has been their downfall in past years. Should be a high-scoring clash. If last year's game was to go by, she'll go down to the wire. I've got the Blues 1-12 to to get the win over the men from the Deep South and send them back down to Dunners with their tail between their legs. Right, time for a bit of NRL chat, and boy does it feel good to say that. She's a bloody long off-season when God's game isn't blaring through your TV screens, but she's back, baby. Our prayers have been answered. Peter Volandes has got the boys trodden out there, and boy, does it feel good. Something about rugby league, whenever she's back on screens, life just feels better. And she's been a big off-season for the NRL, as it typically is. Sometimes the old off-seasons are actually a bit more eventful than the in-seasons, always a few scandals. The highlight for me, scandal-wise this year, though, and the trophy for best off-season performance would have to go to the young star, the Queensland debutante from 2020, Kurt Capewell, and the re-emergence of his gay-for-pay glory hole video from seven years ago. Huge shift from Kurt and a real tick in the box in terms of creativity because we've seen all types of scandals throughout the NRL offseason, but gay for pay, glory hole, is new. So big tick for him. And young Kurt, he's really thought, I'm gonna take this off season by the balls and make a real dick of myself. Literally. And boy did he do that well. If you didn't know, Glory Hole, bloke on the other side, filmed in an apartment. Got paid about a grand. Claims he needed the money at the time seven years ago. Absolutely bizarre story, but great for the game nonetheless. So hats out to you, Kirk Capel. 2020-2021 offseason is well and truly yours, mate. Well done. And hopefully he replicates those kind of performances on the field. Be interesting to see how his teammates respond to that news. In terms of actual player news, though, she was also a big off-season. Of course, for diehard Warriors fans like myself, the news of RTS's departure at the end of 2021, a real dagger in the heart, wants to play for some other team called the All Blacks, which is fair enough, I guess. Although some could argue, and I would argue, that the Warriors truly are New Zealand's national team. So this could be a bit of a step back for the bloke. Huge loss for the club, though, going forward. Our inspirational skipper, one of the best fullbacks in the game and undoubtedly has the best calves in the game. Oh, two of us a snack, he will be greatly missed. But also good on him and hard to fault him. Have no doubt he'll make his way into the All Blacks World Cup squad for 2023. Great footy player before he got scouted by the Roosters. And I think he could play that real Nehemilna Scudder-like role on the wing razzle-dazzle, wax galore, and bring a bit of something different to the old All Blacks back line. Also, great to see signed with the Blues. They will continue to not lose next year. Unfortunately, not the Harbour Heat. Chose to go with Auckland. Dusty decision there, but no doubt there was a decent-sized pay packet for him. So no doubt you'll see him turn out for Ponsonby like every other star Auckland recruit does. But hey, you can't have it all. And up the mighty heat, we will not suffer defeat. There's a new one for you. Again, it rhymes. Fuck, I'm good. Then, keeping the off-season news alive, on old Wednesday, we got the news. The greatest hooker of all time, and arguably the greatest player of all time, Cameron Smith, has decided to call it a day on what was an unreal NRL career. Have a listen to some of these achievements. 430 NRL appearances All for the Storm, the most ever. 327 of those as captain, the most ever. 310 wins, the most ever. 2,786 points, the most ever. 42 finals games, the most ever. Nine times M Hooker of the Year. Two times M Player of the Year. Four Wally Lewis medals, two World Cup wins, two Golden Boots, three Premierships. A 72% winning record at the Storm. 310 wins. That is unreal. Most blokes don't even play 100 NRL games, let alone get to 310 wins. The bloke is a fucking wizard. Absolutely crazy. And without a doubt, the most influential player on any team in NRL history. When Cam Smith is in the mixer, you know that side is going to get the dub. And he retires... On a real high after a great season last year, guiding the storm to another premiership. So Cam Smith, end of a hissing career. One club man, statue out the front of Amy Park and well bloody deserved too. So hats off to you, mate. I know you're not fucking listening, but on the odd chance that you are, which I highly doubt, enjoy retirement and as a fan of the mighty New South Wales Blues and the mighty Ortex Wars, I'm happy to see the back of you. Piss off, but go well, you legend. Now, time to look forward to the old 2020 season and eyes ahead to the future. She kicked off last night, Storm versus the Bunnies, hissing game. Two teams, i have finishing one and two this season in my predictions, which I copped a bit of heat for, leaving out the Sharks. Old Sean Johnson wasn't happy, friend of the show, but might not be any more, and probably not a good time to ask him to jump back on the potty, but I'll work on that. Nonetheless, shout outs to you, Sean, mate, no hard feelings there. And she was the old cliche game of two halves. The storm came in firing out the gates like the old one dog at Whanganui, hungry for some meat pies. And they scored three of them quite quickly. Munster and little puppy absolutely running amok and proving that the Melbourne storm are still going to be a real threat with old Cam Smith. Then, half time, old Wayne Bennett got a hold of the Bunnies boys, gave them a real rack up, and they came out fizzing at the bung from oranges, full of vitamin C, and ultimately, it was their own errors on attack that cost them the game in the end, going down 26 points to 18. Overall, a bloody good game, though. Lots of energy. She was quick as fuck. Really did notice. Those new rules coming into play with two great teams on attack really showing what they've got. Some positives for both teams. I think the Bunnies, they now know they can go with the best of them and it really was their own selves shooting themselves in the foot which cost them the game. Overall, what a way to start the comp. And if that doesn't have you fizzed for this year's action, then nothing will. Looking forward to tonight. Cheeky Friday night double header. you got the Knights versus the Dogs. Should be a good game. Knights hissing forward pack on paper. They've added big Tyson Frizzell to the mixer. Huge signing there. Unfortunately for them, no ponga. Set to miss the first few weeks with injury. So big loss on that front. For the Dogs, new coach Trent Barrett. He's recruited well. Some key signings for me. Corey Allen from the Bunnies. Nick Kotrick, the Croatian dog, from the Raiders. And Flanagan from the Roosters in the backs. And then you got big Jack Hetherington in the Fords, who I personally loved seeing trot out for the Waz last year. Dude is a nutcase. True hard man of the game. And a real enforcer. So I'm looking forward to seeing him ruffle a few feathers. I'm picking a bit of an upset here in this game. I think she'll be a tight one. Could be low scoring. I'm actually going to go the mighty doggies to get the dub and kick the season off with a bang. Free kebabs in Bankstown tonight for all. Then following that game, you got the Broncos taking on the Eels. Last year's Wooden Spooners versus Parasite. But again, a great team on paper. Looking to go one better than last year. Beaten by the Rabos beaten by the Rabbos, the Rabidos in the final six. For the Broncos, no Katoni Staggs. He'll be a big loss for them in the back, still out with that ACL he suffered last year. They've also lost their best forward and young Throbber and David Fofuera, so that's huge. But player to watch this year for me, young Jordan Ricky, a.k.a. Pretty Ricky, one of the best-looking blokes the game has to offer, so that alone is worth bums on seats. Expecting a big year from him as he looks to cement himself as a starting NRL player for the Eels. Expecting much of the same from them. Big forward pack, strong backline. Likes a Gutho, Brown, Moses, and Sevo to run a muck. So I'm going to tip the Eels here, one to twelve. I think it could be close. Expecting a bit of a stronger showing from the Broncos this year and I reckon they'll come out of the gates firing but I still don't think they'll have enough to compete with the top teams in the league and Brad Arthur's men should get the dub. Then on to Super Sunday and fuck me is she a Super Sunday. Absolutely fizzing. Kicking off at 5pm, it is, ladies and gentlemen, the game you have all been waiting for. The one you circled in your calendars as soon as the draw came out. The mighty Vodafone Ortex Warriors, they kick off their premiership winning campaign. Yes, you heard me right. Premiership winning campaign against one of the season's most promising sides in the Titans. And boy, does this scream bums on seats. For our boys, the mighty Waz, and I'll start by saying, of course, I'm hugely biased. We'll support the boys through thick and thin. But fuck me, when you cast your eyes across this team, 1-17, to 17, even the blokes that missed out, it's hard not to be excited. It really is. Oh, yeah. RTS at the back, of course. The inspirational skipper in his farewell season, expecting big things and huge whacks from him. Then you got Fuss and Ken on the wings. And Ganyu signing Ewan Aitken and Peter Hicku in the centres. Then you got young K Nix and CHT in the halves. Wade Egan Park in the nine, which is great to see. Thought he'd be out injured, but his name is in that nine jersey. Then the Ford Pack. Some absolute monsters. Big Adinfenua Blake. The signing of the year for me. Pairs up with big Jermaine Tamua Brown in the front yo front row. Young star Alicia Katoa. 21st birthday today, he'll be looking to make a mark. He teams up with the new recruit from Manly, Bailey Surinan, in the second row. Excited to see him go about his work. And then our best forward from last year in Tohu Harris moves to the locking position. Fuck me, what a pack. Then on the bench, to really add some spark off the rimu, you have Jazz Tavanga, the old bulldog. The real Big Ben, Big Ben Murdoch, Masilla, Lisa Armel, and then big bad Mister Backfence, personal favourite of the show, Bunty Foa in the seventeen jersey, fresh off a year out of out of footy, he will be absolutely firing on all cylinders, zero handbrakes coming from him. Vintage Warriors Rugby League, and for me, I can't see one weakness in that lineup. In my opinion, probably the best side have turned out the last five or six years. All she's missing is the old little general in the halves and the Huntley Hurricane Lance Ohio off the Rimu. And boy, would we be absolutely on. But man, do I have high expectations for this team, which does have me a little bit worried. and am used to having my soul crushed, but I really do think this year is going to be different. For me, I'll be keeping an eye on those new recruits. There's plenty of them, and they all have huge potential. So I can't wait to see them rip in with that Warriors emblem on their tit. Also looking forward to seeing how young CHT develops this year. Massive raps on him, and I think he'll only go from strength to strength. And then, of course, Roger, farewell season. He'll be kissing babies and signing autographs. After each game, opposition fans will want to get a taste of him. But boy, will the boys be wanting to send their skipper off on a high. And I fucking hope they do. For the Titans, the opposition side, as mentioned earlier, they really are a team on the rise after a great 2020. And boy, have they recruited well, adding two of the best young forwards in the game in Fafida and Big Tino for Asul Malawi as well as stealing old Herbert from the Warriors, who I think will be a great buy for them as well in the centres. Add those three to the likes of the young frothers they have already in Brimson and Fogarty, as well as Proctor, Wallace, Fotoeca and Peachy in that four-pack, and you have yourself a hard-working, dangerous young side with plenty to prove, and they do look like look like a top eight squad, so watch out for them this year. In terms of Sati, though, she's going to be all one-way traffic in a barnstorming clash. I think the first 40, she'll be tough, especially through the middle. Expect some big carries and some big shots and vintage rugby league as you rip into your Waitakiri daiquiris. Kenmar Marmalade to grab himself a meat pie. Up the fucking Ortex was. The day we have been waiting for is almost here. Get around it, buy your memberships, it's our year, book your grand final tickets, I'll see you fucking there. Then following that game on the Saturday Arvo, we have the Chooks taking on the Gals and the Panthers taking on the Cows. For the Roosters, they'll roll out a pretty similar side to last year, expecting them to be strong again in 2021. Good to see ex-Warriors player old Adam Kieran gets the nod in the 14 jersey as well. Old Victor the inflicter, Radley, and Sammy Verrills still out with ACL injuries, but they should be back soon. For Manly, the old pairing of Foran and Daly Cherry Evans, they're back at the helm. They've got their band back together, which will be interesting to watch. And they roll out a strong side with the likes of Marty Tapau and Jakey T in the forward pack, and then Moses Sully and Dylan Walker in the back line but I think overall the loss of the young throbber Tommy to due to him tearing his hemi in a drunken sprint race bit of a bizarre story if you didn't know old Tommy T he was out on the streets of Manly absolutely tanked some young rooster challenged him to a sprint which was filmed And he chucked up on Instagram. The young bloke actually got the better of him, got the win. And in doing so, Tommy T tore his hammy. Huge loss for them. And that is the reason I've got the roosters for the dub in this game. Then the Panthers cows. I think this could be a good clash. Todd Payton, who did a heck of a shift for the Warriors last year in charge. He's got the cows head coaching job now. So no doubt he'll be looking to turn them round and they do have the roster to do it. For the Panthers, a bunch of young Roosters just absolutely looking to go one better than last year and win the comp. Stacked with talent, exciting young backline, and a big Razzly Ford pack. They will be strong again this year. I'm picking the Panthers to get the W here. Could be tight, though, and I think the Prince of Penrith, young Nathan Cleary, will have a big game and guide the boys home while his father watches in admiration from the coaching box. Then your Sunday roast, the final two games of round one, you got the Raiders taking on the Tigers and the Dragons hosting the Sharks. For the Raiders, they'll be there or thereabouts again this year, I reckon. I've got them in my top four, a consistent side who can beat anyone on any day and should get the W over the Tigers, who no doubt will finish ninth this year like they do every other fucking year. Then Dragon Sharks, got the Dragons for the spoon this year, not very optimistic on their squad. Losing Frizzell for them was massive, that'll really hurt. No real big name recruits either. One new signing I am keen to see play for them though is Jack Bird, who will of course line up in the centres against his former club, the Sharks as well. The blokes had a horrible run with injuries, he was a gun a few years back, played Origin for New South Wales. So hopefully he gets through this game and the rest of the 2021 season injury-free. For the Sharkies, they're without old SJ until round eight, which I reckon is a massive loss for them. Last year's Player of the Year, so that'll hurt their attack in particular. Got a good roster, though. Interested to see how Maddie Moylan goes. Heard lots of good press on him, saying he's fit and looking the best he's looked. In a few years, he'll team up with Chad Townsend in the Haas until Sean's back, so that is something to keep your eyes on. Overall, I think the Sharks might be a little team to watch, especially when Sean gets back, so I've got them to win this one and pretty comfortably don't see the Dragons troubling them at all. Right, we'll finish the old sporting chat off with a bit of a sport, to be honest. I know fuck all about, but the old father-in-law and brother-in-law are really into the old sailing, and boy, has the America's Cup really swept me up and got me fizzed. Seeing these boats in action, especially up close, if you get the chance to head out there, she is entertaining stuff, and these things really do fly, getting them up on the foils, like Kimbo is every weekend in Dolan's. It really is a sight to see, and boy, do we have a contest on our hands. She kicked off on Wednesday, of course, Team New Zealand versus Luna Rossa Prada Pirelli and boy not even a bee's dick could separate these two in the first two races. She finished off one all. Team New Zealand getting the dub in the first race and Luna Rossa getting the dub in the second really does look like to me a completely uneducated opinion, but you win the start, you win the race unless one of the other teams makes a horrible mistake. So it really does come down to that starter's box to see who will get the lollies. Of course, shout out to friend of the show, Mike Lee, full-time grinder, Emirates Team New Zealand. Great to see. Gone from ex-Northcote and Bayes club footy player and surf lifesaving champion to being on board Team New Zealand just on grinder full-time, matching with blokes in his area that he is interested in. So that adds a bit more to the spectacle for me, a bit of a personal touch there. But shit, is she going to be an exciting series. And hopefully the boys can get the two wins in the races later on today. Four o'clock is the first one. Ripper conditions. Not a lot of wind here in Fanuapai, but hopefully there's more out there in the old Hauraki Gulf. And hopefully we can get to level one later today. Get the fans out there in the fan zone. Head on down to HQ. Get absolutely steamed and make some noise for the Emirates Team New Zealand boys. Go well, your beauties. Dust off the Red Sox and get into it. Up, fucking Team New Zealand. And go well, Mike Lee, one of Myringi Bay's finest. All right, time for the old magic multi. And of course, if you've been listening for the past three seasons... Haven't had much luck at the old tea and biscuits, plenty of donations, plenty of funding youth sport, which is great to see. Pretty much Surly Talk Sports is running a great charity, and I'm not mad at that. Always good to give back to the community. This year, though, I've decided to take it a little more seriously, and I'm going to each week pick a rugby league game, super rugby game, a horse, and something a bit out the box, whatever big sporting event is on that week, chuck her in a four-leg multi, whatever the winnings are, might run a cheeky little golf tournament at the end of the season and then use the money, the winnings, whatever's left in the kitty from each week to host a bit of a steam up afterwards, a bit of an end of season rap party. So hopefully I get a few dubs, otherwise it'll be a pretty fucking boring party. She might go BYO, but shit, should be a heck of a steam up either way. But anyway, enough of my shit chat. This week I've gone the Warriors to beat the Titans, of course, 1 to 12, paying $3.15. Generous odds there. Thank you very much. Then I've gone the Blues to beat the Landers, 1 to 12 again, paying $2.75 again. Good odds. The horse I've gone for this week, is predetermined in Mooney Valley on Saturday, race two. Number one, predetermined. That was actually the fucking name of the horse. I wasn't just telling you. It was predetermined. Number one, Jamie Carr's on board in great form at the moment, paying $2 for the place, bit more of a safe bet. So I've gone the place there. Multi that up, $10 on that, paying $308.90 nothing crazy, but shit, would that be a good start to get us underway and get something in the kitty. So fingers crossed, have some luck at the tea and biscuits. Otherwise, she's ramen noodles and white bread for dinner next week. Apologies in advance, Kimbo. Almost forgot to mention as well, I've also got a bit of a try scorer multi in the old NRL that I'll run each week. I'll chuck her up On the page today, on the old Instagram page, you can follow along if you want to. You probably don't give a fuck, but hey, you can laugh at me each week as they don't come through, and I'll give you a big up yours in return. Right, time for the old final segment in today's podcast, and bear with me, she has been a fucking long one, so if you're still listening, take my hat off to you, you're a better human, than me. The first question she comes through from old Dan Morgan, actually playing professional soccer in South Africa at the moment. So great to hear from you, Dan, and hope all is well in the land of Biltong and Borvors. He says, Surly, what's your thoughts on Liverpool's current Premier League form? Is Klopp out with a laughing face? And this gets a big up yours from me, Dan. The Liverpool men, us Scousers, we're really struggling this year. I think we've dropped down to about seventh on the ladder, which is not great to see. But I will remind you that until the last game of the season finishes, we are the current champions. And I will flick you the middle finger as I say that. Look, unfortunately for us, we've had a few injuries this year. Things haven't quite gone our way. Losing Big Virgil really did well and truly screw up our defence and we've been leaking goals left, right and centre. But that is no excuse. We are a better team than that. In regards to old Klopp out... Shit, there'll be a few people calling for it, but I think old Jürgen's done a heck of a job and I'd love to see him keep the reins at the club. Don't think we will find a better coach out there at the moment. So I'm all for Kloppen and strapping Liverpool 2022. We will win the bloody thing. You'll never walk alone. And cheers for your question, old Dan.Morgan. Then another one from a huge fan of the show. It must be said... Oh, Jake Kakariki Rutherford. Boy, has he been riding with Surly Talk Sports since day one and one of the merest under 85 greats. He says, and this really is a real mindfuck. His question was, who cleans up after guide dogs once they shit? And this really did take me back. I had to think about it because, of course, guide dogs, they are out there leading the blind and servicing them through their day-to-day lives. So it would be tough for a bloke or lady that can't see to pick up after the guide dog. So for me, and look, people not cleaning up after their dog shit really does grind my gears. You never like just trotting along, nice little stroll with your better half, and you come across some dog shit. It really can make your day turn for the worse, especially if you stand on it. But the one exemption, and i would never really thought about it, but it has to be for the blind not picking up after your dogs. For me, that's six more. Play on. Nothing they can do about it. And well done to all those guide dogs out there. If you are listening, and producer Sharla, she's probably not fizzed on you, and she's giving me the old wrap it up. But take my hats off to you and keep going about your work. Up the mighty guide dogs. And then the third and final question for this week's episode, and she really is an absolute ripper, and it comes from Young, as a Tatna, and he says, Hey Surly, long time no see. Quick question for you. With the recent announcement of the NRL's Bloat 17 by old Bloke in a Bar, I'm keen to hear your union version. So give us a Bloat 22. Can be from Super Rugby, the old Mitre 10 Cup, or even Club Footy. And shit. That one really did have me doing my homework, which has never been a strong point of mine, to be fair. But a ripper of a question. If you haven't seen it, old Denon Kemp, bloke in a bar fame, and a previous guest on the Sit Downs with Surly podcast. Absolute roost. He named his bloat... FC 17, best looking of all time, NRL players. And if that doesn't get you fizzing, nothing will. He also bought in the scope from the old YKTR, Justin Horro, which was a huge addition. And they filmed a video in their blazer and underwear to really set the scene. Heck of a watch if you haven't seen it. Jump on YouTube, search it up, bloat FC team naming. But enough of a plug For old bloke in a bar. I've got my 22 here. And I'll rattle them off now. In the one jersey. I've gone for Big Teague McElroy. This bloke. 125 kilos of prime North Shore beef. Loves a scrum. As every good prop should. Loves a wine. And loves a good time. Went to Rosmini. So that deducts a few points off him. But he's still a keeper in the prop position for me. So well done to Big Teague. In the two... I've gone the professional era here and I've gone for Cody Taylor. It's the tattoos for me. Can't beat a good mouldy tattoo. Top three rated, hottest all-time rugby player from 2020 as well by the UK press. So that's good enough for me. He makes his way into the hooker jersey. in the three, I've gone for Heston Pickens. Ladies love a project and that's why this bloke has made the 22. He functions off a diet of pies, primos, and darts, but still somehow manages to rip through 80 minutes of footy on a Saturday. And although he's had 15-plus head knocks at least, still an absolute rooster. Also turned up to his first ever preseason this year, so the rig is in good shape by his standards. He's also a part-time DJ, not afraid to jump on the decks. Actually threw down a set at the old Coachella a couple years back. And ladies love DJs. That's hot as fuck. So he makes his way into the other propping jersey. In the four, I've gone for a pass, coat, player, but a real fan and player favorite, Zach Clark. Just something about him. Seems so innocent. He's got a smile that could melt hearts. And Kimbo and G-Banger have a real soft spot for him. So no more is needed to be said there. If he's good enough for those two, he's good enough for me. In the five jersey, joining Zach Clark in the locking department, I've gone for the coat legend, Danny Drake, the snake. Hard to go past a lock that can cover 10-15 as well. That is the ultimate woman magnet. And when he chucks on the headgear, he truly does mean business on and off the field. Got a nickname, the snake. I'll leave that up to you. He is a must-have in any roster. In the six jersey, Harry Dodds. Northcote's newest skipper and real future club icon. You can't go past a man from Gisborne. Long legs, cheeky grin. He's the man the ladies love, especially the older demographic. He's a real hit with the mums, and he is sure to win over the ladies in the kitchen, which is key. You need a good after-match spread, and Dodsy is the man you send up there to get it. In the 7 jersey, I've gone for Tim Sale, but there's a bit of an asterisk here because I'm going for the mullet version, which no longer exists, unfortunately. Nothing better than a boy from Auckland Grammar rocking a mullet, going for the real rough-around-the-edges look, the poor man's Liam Squire. He's since shaved it off after he turned into a pro footy player. He wanted to come across as more appealing to the opposite gender. I think it's done the opposite, and it's disappointing but we've all made mistakes in our life and I'm willing to forgive him. So the mulleted Tim Sale is in the seven. In the eight, I've gone the my train. Too too upper Hutt high school's heartthrob i've gone for the old lockdown meant to be blonde but turned orange super saiyan lid mix that in with some big carries a real enforcer on the field and you have got yourself an up-and-coming throbber so well done to the train in the nine jersey and this one's pretty obvious bryn hall the pin-up boy of the 2012 northcote prems and while we sucked off the field I'm sure a young Bryn Hall went all right off it. So he is there in the nine jersey looking to lead the lads around the park on and off the field. In the 10 jersey, I've gone for a raw boned, fresh haircut, clean shaven Scotty Rankin. And he beats out some tough competition in this jersey for Carlos and Dan Carter. But for me, it was pretty obvious. Scotty will also be the team's captain. He'll take care of the media duties but we'll only do interviews after 9pm live from the urinal at the Northcote club rooms. So that will provide some great content and looking forward to seeing how the boys respond to their inspirational skipper. In the 11 jersey, I've gone for Mike Lee, ex-coat boy, turned bays boy, turned full-time grinder for Team New Zealand. The bloke's got the rig, he's got the tan, and he's got the slick lid to win over the hearts of the nation. Don't be surprised if you see him getting a bit of TV time during the duration of the Cup. And if you're lucky enough to get his Team New Zealand collector's card from your local Zed petrol station, make sure you frame that shit, because she will be worth a mint once the old Myringy Bay surf lifesaver wins over the heart of the nation. So well done to you, Mike Lee, taking place on the left wing. and the 12 jersey, Curtis Reed, The mullet, the mow, the rig, what a trio. There is an asterisk here for this selection also, and I've gone for a freshly showered Curtis Reed. not the reid we have all come to love or hate after a team run on a Thursday. The bloke's a rooster, loves a steam up, also a bit of a free spirit, so he appeals to many demographics. Currently earning the Japanese yen while still living in New Zealand. Don't know how he managed that gig, but look out for him if he makes his way over to Japan. No doubt he's sure to appear on some Japanese game shows and really make a name for himself off the field. Also son of Scotty, so you can't go past those two as the 10 and 12 combo. Sless, as the great man would say. In the 13 jersey, I've gone for the all-black centre, Jack Goodhue. Again, purely based on Mullet. Mullet at 12, Mullet at 13. He's also a good Christian boy, so we tick a few boxes with this selection and target the religious fans out there. And then in the 14, I've gone for Josh Cook. The boy has got a cheeky grin. He's the poor man's Chris Brown on the dance floor. Rocks a fedora and a vape, better than any other current co-player I've seen. Innocent looking, but don't underestimate this 70-kilo pocket rocket. The bloke is nicknamed the Samoan Scissors for a reason. He will absolutely cut you in half on D. The poor man's Brian Lima, the Samoan Scissors. Josh Cook. Then in the 15 jersey to round out the starting size, I've gone for old shooter. Sean loves a steam up. Girls love a party, boy. This man can't be tamed. Bit of a project. Love shouting the bar. Real people's person. Infamous on the North Shore and no doubt has made himself a bit of a name for himself down there in the Tron. So old shooter, he'll bring the razzle-dazzle on and off the field and was a big selection for this side. In the 16 jersey, coming off the Rimu, I've got a bit of a tie here for the old tournament combo. As a Tatna, yourself, and young Courtney McCarfskins. Again, it's the mouldy tattoos for me, and they've both got them, so they can't be split. Alison Sill, huge fan of Asa. Sally Edgar, the mother-in-law, huge fan of Courtney. So you couldn't disappoint the mother and mother-in-law duo. They both could be referred to as the poor man's Cody Taylors, but well-deserved positions in the squad nonetheless, and looking forward to seeing what these two can offer up. In the 17 jersey, I've got a prime Logan Dodds. He tells me he's a bit of a weapon on the field for the mighty Dale back in his heyday. It was so fucking long ago, I can't remember it, but I'll take his word for it, and he earns a spot on the Rimu. He's a well-groomed bloke, sloppy rig and brings a bit of a creative side to the squad. So he'll be our head of content, which is particularly important in 2021. He brings his following across with him. And hopefully we get a few likes and shares on the old gram as the boys go about their work in the 18 Jersey gone with Richard Mayhew, the old dog, This selection based purely to target the 35 plus demographic And is also based purely on his rig. The bloke has 12 abs on a bad day. Skin folds in the negatives. And while he's more often injured than not, he's a real asset to have for the team's jockey photo shoot, which will play a huge part in our success and making sure we come home with the W at the end of the campaign. So Richard Mayhew squeezes in there. In the 19 jersey, I've gone for a a four-back split here. Falau Whakatawa, purely based on litter gain. The mullet meets mince and cheese combo. Doesn't get any better than that. I highly doubt it. Also seems like a bit of a cheeky fucker, which is what you need. Every team needs a bloke that can rattle a few feathers. So he makes his way into the mixer. In the 20, the baby face Jack Bergen. How could you not? The best looking Searle, son. Innocent until he gets a few drinks in him. Loves a good session at Bamboo Tiger, which, again, is great marketing. The kind of guy you send to the old team sponsor's corporate dinner. Starts the night off all pleasant and quiet, then really gets into his work. Once the beverages come out, the rubber arm gets twisted, and next thing you know, he's streaking the event. Also, brings with him his mum's credit card, shouts bombs for the boys. Need I say any more? Then in the 21 jersey, I've gone for Dan Carter, not sure why. And then in the 22 jersey, Sonny Bill Williams, again, not sure why. Don't really offer as much as the other blokes in the team, but fair to say they are both genuine heartthrobs, worldwide sporting icons. So you got to chuck them in the mixer. For the management team, I've gone with the great duo of Terry Seymour and Boz, Assistant coaches of Carlos, Jethro, Gorsty, and Roscoe, name a better quad than that. And the head coach will be J-Dog. Gotta keep the opposition team on their toes. Right, that's all I have time for this week. She was a fucking long one. Like I said before, if you're still with me, take my hat off to you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week, fresh off a Waz win, fresh off a Blue's win. Also, shout out to the mighty Northcote how did I almost forget the boys are taking on Eden tomorrow in our 1st preseason fixture of the year at Hato Petra, which is pretty fucking dusty grounds, it must be said. No doubt they'll be as hard as concrete. She'll be physical, and there'll be a few bruised bodies waking up on a Sunday morning. But looking forward to it nonetheless. Up the mighty coat, up the Wars, up the blues, and up Emirates Team New Zealand. Have a good weekend. That was Surly Talk Sports. How good.